Food bloggers, hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger including you, know that you are heard and supported. If you think you need a million or maybe just 10,000 Instagram followers in order to work with brands, this episode is going to inspire you. Jamie Silva from A Sassy Spoon joins me today and she talks about how she grew her blog without focusing on Instagram and how she landed sponsorships that became pretty lucrative for her. She provides tips for how you can do it too. So tune into the episode. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode number 377 and it is sponsored by Rank IQ. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to eBlogTalk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave eBlogTalk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. I have Jamie Silva with me today. She is going to talk to us about growing your business without relying on Instagram. Jamie quit a safe and secure full-time job in 2016 and started A Sassy Spoon, her food blog. Two years later, Jamie began making a full-time income from zero to 85K in two years. That's so amazing, Jamie. Today, she's making over six figures from various income streams close to 100k from ad revenue alone. Now Jamie focuses on coaching food bloggers on how to grow and manage their food blogs so they can turn their food blogs into a full-time business in less time. Jamie, I am so excited to chat with you today. How are you? So excited to be here, Megan. Thank you for having me. Yay. Well, thanks for joining me. Do you have a fun fact to share with us? I do. So way back when, way before starting my food blog, I actually watched Food Network for two and a half months straight. (laughs) (laughs) And what did you glean from that period of time? Well, actually, I was going through a really rough period in my life. And I just found so much comfort in watching other people cook, you know, but little did I know that I'd actually be working in the culinary world years later. So that's kind of like, that's my fun fact that I kind of started, you know, my food blog by watching Food Network. (laughs) Oh, and you're right. It is. There's something so comforting about watching people be creative in the kitchen and do it semi-competitively. Sometimes it's just, yeah, I feel like I could sit on my couch and watch it for months on end as well. Right? (laughs) so fun. (laughs) Kind of jealous. (laughs) All right. You're here today to talk about growing your business without relying on Instagram, which I think for a lot of food bloggers listening, they might be like, what? What are you talking (laughs) about, Jamie? But tell us how you got to the point where you were really discouraged by Instagram and how that whole process transpired. So obviously, I mean, there's, it's no secret that Instagram has been going through a lot of changes this year, but even from before that, I, I lost my father late last year. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. And so it's almost like my perspective on life just shifted overall. 
And I just wanted to be more present in general, you know, more intentional with my time. And again, this is not to say that, you know, social media is all bad because I do have many blogger friends that are doing amazing things with it. But just personally, I wasn't seeing a return. So I just felt like my time was better set spent elsewhere than, you know, just posting reels and carousels and just hoping, you know, chasing the likes, you know, chasing yeah. the likes, the shares. And so I, I actually stopped posting entirely, like half of the year. First, In the first half of the year, I was posting, you know, consistently and I didn't really see much happening there. So I just stopped and I decided to just spend more time focused on my blog. Okay. So when you stopped, do you go back to kind of check in and see how things are going or are you just done? I do. I do check. I'm not going to say I deleted the app off of my phone or anything like that, but I just feel like the pressure of just being always on, I just didn't find any comfort in that either. So I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm going to post whenever it, it feels good. Well, not because I'm doing it, you know, for the algorithm or for engagement or anything like that, because it's not like Instagram was really, you know, making me money, so to speak. I wasn't getting much traffic from there either for my blog. So it didn't feel like I, you know, spending time on that platform really made sense, at least for my personal business. I have personally accepted Instagram as being a community builder for me. I saw early on right. it was a really good way to make friendships. And I did make quite a few really solid friendships from Instagram. And that has been my purpose for being on Instagram. I am I am so with you, Jamie. Like I have been a food blogger for a million years. And <laughs> if you went to my Instagram account, you would not believe it because I don't have many followers. And I've yeah, I've just had that same, I've adopted the same concept. Like if it's not going to be fruitful with all this time I put into it, then I'm I'm going to see it for what it is, which is a community builder. Do you kind of have that same thought? Yeah, absolutely. I love watching like stories are fun, you know, because that's like that you can see what people are doing and, you know, you can see what's happening and connect with with people on that level. So definitely I can obviously see that as a way of connection and community. But yeah, just like, you know, having that pressure of having to, you know, post every day or post reels or just, you know, it's just felt like so much work on a platform that, you know, the content becomes irrelevant in minutes and it just felt so counterproductive in a way, you know? Yeah. And you can get so lost and so sucked in easily where like an hour passes and you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done with my life? My yes. <laughs> it's so true. That's exactly how I felt too. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm stuck on this scroll, you know, yeah. I'm just like scrolling, <laughs> scrolling, scrolling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I really just wanted to, you know, be more intentional with my time and just spend more time with family and not just, you know, having my face buried in a screen. So yeah, just overall, that's I just decided to spend more time on different parts of my business that were actually going to bring a return and, you know, going to be easier to monetize, so to speak. Yes. And we'll talk about that in just a second. I first wanted to say so sorry about your dad and the loss Thank of you. him. I just lost my mom a few weeks ago. Oh, I'm and, so sorry. Oh, I know. It's hard. I mean, it is you, hard. You always, a parent is hard. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. You think about it your whole life. Like, what's it going to be like? And then when it happens, it's like, oh my gosh, I never imagined it could be this weird and hard. I mentioned that because I love what you said about 
the death of your father making you more intentional and present. And that's exactly what I'm feeling right now. Like there are certain parts of my business and my life that I just feel like they're irrelevant. I don't need to do them anymore. Like being faced with a parent's death is such a, just like a, it just shakes you to the core and it makes you just see things differently. And it doesn't have to be a death necessarily that does that, but any trial that you go through, I feel like you have that same, just like, whoa, what is important here? What do I need to focus on? What do I not need to focus on? And yeah, Instagram for you and your business is something that you're like, okay, I'm just going to put it on the sidelines for now. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's so true because I've, I mean, I've, I've lost relatives in the past, of course, but I don't know about if it was something to do with the fact that it was apparent that it just, I wasn't yeah. expecting my perspective on life to change as much as it did. It's, it's so, yeah. I guess you don't know until you know, you know? kind of thing. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So what are you spending more time on within your blog? What did you decide deserves your focus? Yeah. Okay. So basically what I started doing is I basically shifted my whole strategy instead of just like creating reels and posting reels. I just decided to really be intentional with the content I was putting on my blog. So for example, I started auditing my current blog content for any like content gaps if I needed posts to be reworked and republished, and then also creating new content that made sense for my niche. So actually, another thing that I did is earlier this year, I shifted to a more narrow niche. So before Sassy Spoon was more about comfort food in general. And I felt like maybe I should niche down even further and do comfort food from the lens of Cuban food because I'm I'm first generation Cuban American. So I decided why not, you know, really niche down to posting about Cuban cuisine. And as a result, I've actually seen more traffic come to the site. I've seen more email subscribers. I've gotten re- like messages from people around the nation just ask just thanking me for sharing this type of content because either their grandmother passed away or they moved out of South Florida where Cuban food was a lot more predominant. And it just became more, you know, apparent to me to be like, okay, I'm on the right path. You know, this is the long game. This is the one that's going to pay off in the long run. So me focusing my time on making my blog more robust with all the different types of content that it needs to, you know, either like fill up different categories or just rework old posts that hadn't been reworked in a long time. All that I'm actually seeing more of a return than, you know, posting reels on Instagram, so to speak. (laughs) Well, I think that's so smart. And this is actually a really important, effective piece of the puzzle that we often set aside because of the new shiny objects and the new, you know, all the platforms. Yeah. So you're actually going back to the basics, going back to the things that are going to move your blog forward, which I think is a really smart move. So how has that affected your traffic and your revenue and everything? So as a result of, of posting on my blog, like I mentioned, I've seen a more targeted audience, which is really the goal of blogging, right? It's just to attract a more targeted audience that you're, you're going to be able to monetize from. But I also was able to secure four contracts for the year, three of which were annual contracts. Ooh, Yeah, which is great because, you know, that's steady income. And three were for Sassy Spoon, which means that they were sponsored, 
you know, on the blog, on social media, but then there was also one that was just pure content creation, which I highly recommend you guys really put some pitch that to brands just to do some content creations for them. And they were all secured through an email. None of them were secured through Instagram. I know that I've had messages from people that have told me like, I am so scared about leaving Instagram. You know, how am I going to get brand partnerships if there's no Instagram? So I feel like moving away from Instagram and bringing the conversation to email is going to be a lot more successful in the long run because you can build the relationship way better back and forth on email and even on phone calls, you know, just going old school here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, instead of maybe Instagram DM, you know, you don't know if the person that's running those brand accounts, if they're like interns or, you know, and instead on email, you can go directly to the media person that's in charge of the media campaigns and, you know, spark up a conversation with them. Yeah. And LinkedIn, I know a few food bloggers who have used LinkedIn to get contacts for, you know, sponsored work. Have you used that avenue? I have just to find their email. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely it's, it's been, you know, you you kind of just have to get a little creative when you're trying to look for contact info, if you're not able to secure it a different way, but LinkedIn's definitely worked. Okay. So you've secured some amazing contracts. You didn't go through Instagram. I think it's kind of a, I don't know, it's something that we all hear that you have to be on Instagram if you want to get sponsored work, but you're saying that is not the case. You've done this all through old school methods. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that, actually, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think we've been almost like conditioned to believe that if we're not on Instagram or if we're not posting regularly or we're not DMing brands through Instagram, like it's almost like we're doomed for failure as a business. And mm. I mean, that's why I believe that you can absolutely make an inc- you can make steady income, you can make a living without relying on Instagram or social media. By July of this year, after I stopped posting on Instagram and just focused on these contracts and on my blog, I had already made six figures all oh. without relying on Instagram. Oh my gosh, Jamie, that's amazing. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to paint a false picture here. It has taken years, obviously. It's not something you can do overnight. I don't want anyone to think that they can just start a blog tomorrow and suddenly you'll have money in the bank. This has been, you know, a lot of, of work and a lot of, you know, dedication. You have to be consistent. You have to really be, you know, really focused on your food blog to be able to grow it into a six figure business. Okay. So you mentioned your sponsored work brings in money. Where else does the money come from? If you don't mind sharing? Yes, absolutely. So my largest income stream actually is my ad revenue. I bring over, I've it, just this year alone, I've brought over $70,000 in oh. ad revenue alone. I'm with Ad Thrive. Nice. And then in total with those four contracts that I secured, I've brought close to $66,000, which is insane to oh even believe that. <laughs> yeah. And my largest traffic source has been organic search because I know a lot of people think that, oh, maybe it's Pinterest or maybe it's something else, but it's literally all been from SEO work and Google. And that's why I say like, it's a lot of work to put into your blog, but it absolutely pays off in the end. 
Are you ready to learn, grow, and build relationships in person in 2023? Eat Blog Talk is hosting a 2023 spring retreat for food bloggers. This is super exciting. In-person retreats are an opportunity for food bloggers to convene in an intimate setting to learn, collaborate, and connect. These retreats involve mastermind-style peer-to-peer collaborating, and they are such a powerful way to grow your business, expand your network of peers, and make lasting friendships. Apply to attend the spring 2023 retreat. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash retreat to fill out the application. I hope to see you there. Now back to the episode. I've seen this mindset kind of floating around our space lately where people get hung up on the fact that like they think there's not enough space on Google and organic search for them. And they will be like, well, you know, everyone's taking my keywords. So what's the point? And I just feel like there are so many things that are food related that people are searching for. Find something else, pivot, go find another keyword that you can deliver value on that people are searching for. There's always going to be something. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And I've I've always been of the mindset that, you know, like there are, I don't know, 20,000 chocolate chip cookie recipes out there, right? But there's always going to be someone that wants to learn how you make it. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't care how Gordon Ramsay makes it. They want to see how a sassy spoon makes it. So I always feel like you're always going to find your people. You're going to find your audience. You're going to find the ones that are going to want to learn from you and what you bring to the table and how you, you know, develop this recipe. Like maybe there's a certain twist that you do or some hack or some secret ingredient that you add or something that gives it that special touch that only you know about. Like that's the way to stand out for sure. Oh, I love, I love your perspective on that, Jamie. I so relate to that. If somebody is listening and they are thinking that maybe they're discouraged by Instagram or maybe Facebook or another platform and they want to do what you're doing and just become laser focused on a niche and another way of getting traffic and money. How do you recommend they go about this? So a few tips I can share is to really shift your focus to your blog, obviously, but publishing content on a consistent basis for your target audience that is always going to be the winning ticket when it comes to food blogs and growing your food blog. So focusing on content planning and part of content planning obviously is keyword research, or as I like to call it, intentional keyword research, meaning you're not just like, you know, posting about a, you know, spaghetti (laughs) and you're just hoping that someone finds you, you know, you're actually really intentional with the type of keywords you're using, like you mentioned a second ago, and also your EAT. So for those that don't know, EAT stands for expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness, which is kind of Google's way to figure out how legit you are. You know, you're not some just spammy site, just throwing up stuff on on a website. And so the more of an expert you are in a certain topic, the more you should showcase that on your blog. And the more that builds authority over time as you as an expert, you know, showing off all this awesome content that, you know, all this knowledge and then trustworthiness, it's, it's kind of like the like, no trust factor where in general, I mean, Google wants to make sure they trust you enough to give you the Google juice, but then also your audience, they, they will connect with you if they like you, 
if they know you, if they trust you. And all that goes down to how well you present the information on your content. Are you providing valuable information on your post? Are you being super helpful? Your process shots, like all that tells the story that people will be like, this is so well explained. I'm going to come back for more. And that's what you want, right? You want more return more return visitors, you want people to really connect with you. And then before you know it, you, you'll start to see more and more people coming back to your site, coming to your site, coming back for your site. Like it's just like this constant, you'll see this flow of traffic, which will you'll be able to monetize eventually, whether that's through ad revenue or even affiliate marketing and sponsored content as well. I love your term intentional keyword research because that's so different from just keyword research. Like you said, yeah, we need to be thinking through what we're putting up and then doing research about it instead of like, oh, I want to put up a, a lemon cake recipe. Maybe lemon cake does not support EAT for my blog, right? So we need to right. like really think through all of that in advance. Exactly. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And then what else would you recommend? So you do some sponsored work. How would you recommend people getting their, getting brands to get on board with them? So I also feel aside from obviously, you know, dedicating time to your blog and really making sure the content makes sense for your niche and your target audience. Also on the side of, you know, actually making money because, you know, on the blog side, it's going to take a while, obviously. So in the meantime, you can definitely partner up with brands. And as I say, flex your content creation skills and negotiate like a boss. And what that means is basically if you're focused on follower counts and engagement rates when you're pricing yourself, you're definitely leaving money on the table. So I always say rates should not be one size fits all. There should not be any flat rates. You know, you definitely should think like a business owner. Think of expenses, your overhead, you know, think of the type of assets that brands are asking of you the type of usage or licensing that they need, any exclusivity. And that way you're able to structure a rate specifically for that brand based on their ask. And, you know, it's, it's more well-rounded than if you just shoot out a, a flat rate. And then be willing to walk away if you're not getting what you want. And I know that's kind of scary sometimes, especially, you know, when you're just like starting out. But I think you'll start to notice that the more you walk away from what you're not getting, it's going to be better in the long run. Cause there's nothing worse than resenting your work. You know, when you're actually working on something and you're just like, Oh, I said That's yes the to worst this. Feeling ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it shouldn't be that way for sure. So I definitely feel like there should be a conversation. Don't be afraid of pitching brands. They have a budget, just like you have a budget, you know, they're working towards different goals, just like you. So have an open conversation about it and be like, this is what I can do based on your budget. Is that okay? Are we aligned? You know, is there something that we can maybe work around? Be very transparent. I, I'm very big on transparency. I feel like there should be an open conversation when it comes to that, as far as like, this is what, you know, this is, these are my rates, you know, based on what you have are asking me of and what's included and ask a lot of questions. You want to make sure that you get like the full story from the brand how they're going to use your content, you know, and everything else. Because the last thing you want is to maybe give them a low rate because you're afraid of going too high. And then suddenly you see one of your food photography photos, like on a billboard somewhere. <laughs> you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I could have asked for more money, you know? So you definitely want to be 
you definitely want to, you know, price yourself in a way where you're going to be happy with that amount. And of course, as they say, like if they say yes too fast, you charge too low. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so you always want to kind of negotiate around what you're going to be comfortable with and what you're going to be happy with because Again, you don't want to work in vain and then be like, oh, I shouldn't have said yes to this. I'm not enjoying this work. You know, it's just such a bad feeling. That is. I've done it many times. I'm sad to admit that, but there's nothing worse than that when you're working on a project and you're like, oh, this is so frustrating. I'm only getting this much money and you just like hate what you're doing. So to take care of that up front and just like you said, openly communicate and be upfront, be transparent. Do you ever get brands asking you about Instagram and how do you deal with that? So going back on what you said, and and I want to give this as an encouragement to everyone else, even if you've already done that in the past, doesn't mean that you can't change from this point forward. So I don't want anyone thinking that, oh, well, I already charged one brand this amount. I guess I have to charge every brand forever that amount. Like, no, absolutely. You can, you definitely can change your rates moving on as you, as you grow. And then as far as Instagram, I've, I honestly have never had a brand ask me about Instagram, about engagement rates, about follower counts. I honestly always view any type of brand partnership as them asking for assets. So what that means is they are, they just want the content that they're going to be able to repurpose for their own goals. So whether that means they're going to use that for their email newsletter or for their own social channels, that's really how I pitch when it comes to sponsor content. I never think of like, well, you know, this, this post only got a hundred likes, I guess, you know, maybe I didn't deserve this money or things like that. Like I think of it like this was work that I put in. I, you know, bought ingredients for, I shot the recipe, I put in my time, and they're going to get food photography from that, or they're going to get a reel from that or whatever that they're going to be able to use for their platforms. So I've never had a brand really, you know, question me in, in terms of like Instagram or likes, shares, comments, you know, anything like that. So really, it comes down to focusing on what you're good at, focusing on the things that are going to move you forward and not focusing on things that aren't working for you, right? So yeah, not even adding it as part of the discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you ever have like, do you ever wish that you were on Instagram? Do you ever have those fleeting thoughts like, oh, I'm kind of missing out or do you, have you grown past that? The, like the FOMO? Yes, <laughs> like FOMO. Instagram FOMO. <laughs> yeah. Not really, to be honest. I think I've I think I've passed that. I do, however, have FOMO with TikTok. I haven't gotten uh, on TikTok yet. I do have an account, but I haven't posted on there. And sometimes I'm like, maybe I should start just throwing up some stuff to see what happens, you know? Yeah. But again, you feel like, oh my god, am I gonna get sucked into another platform? <laughs> yes. So yeah. So I, I definitely do have more FOMO with TikTok than I do with Instagram. Do you have any other advice, Jamie, for people who are intrigued by your way of thinking about growing your business? Any other tips or anything to impart? I think overall, I think the the whole like feeding the beast in terms of Instagram, if you're not feeling aligned with that for your own business, and if you feel like, you know what, I, I think I want to take a step back from Instagram and focus on my blog, you can absolutely do that. 
It's not going to be detrimental for your success, I promise. And again, it doesn't have to be forever. It could definitely be like a temporary thing. Maybe you go back to it, you know, once you've taken a little mini break and you feel better coming back with more of a fresh mind instead of this like, I need to post, you know, that pressure is just awful. So mm. I definitely think, you know, focusing on, on your blog for a while and then getting back into Instagram, definitely not a bad idea. And by the way, I've taken breaks from Instagram for long stretches of time. And every time I come back, it's like I hop back in without skipping a beat. I mean, it's not like the world ends, the followers don't just like start falling off the cliff. People are still there. They still care. So it is okay to experiment with that, right? And just see what happens with a little break. Yeah, exactly. Especially now with these changes, maybe it'll maybe it'll kind of shake up the... (laughs) the the algorithm somehow right. where they'll be like oh she hasn't been posting maybe we can reset her whatever world of algorithms you know like maybe yeah. something will help your your engagement rate or something you yeah. know I don't know yeah I can see a new trend emerging with people just seeing the importance of like stepping away for periods of time and how that can maybe shift an algorithm for sure such a relevant topic and I think this is a really valuable discussion just to bring to the table for food bloggers. So thank you for everything you've shared today, Jamie. You were just, yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Megan. Yeah. So to leave our episode, our interview, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with us? So favorite quote that I actually have on a post-it on my desk (laughs) as we speak is done is better than perfect because perfect never gets done. Oh, yes. I don't know about you, but I'm sure like many other creatives, I struggle with perfectionism. And it's this is a quote that I repeat to myself daily because sometimes you just have to get some get your stuff done. You know what I mean? So yeah. we get so caught up in the details and whether that's, you know, just taking the plunge and starting your food blog because and you don't want to do that because it's not the perfect time or it's not, you know, whatever it is. Or you simply don't want to, you know, share those photos on your blog for that recipe because you think they're not perfect or whatever the case is. Sometimes you just have to start the blog and publish the post and just check it off the list because more times than none, we realize that we were just obsessing over some silly details and we wasted so much time stuck in that procrastination perfectionism loop, you know, that then we realized like, oh, I was kind of worried for nothing. Like people really like the photos or, you know, I started my blog. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that scary. You know, so that's why I always say done is always better than perfect because we sometimes will get stuck in that in that mindset of like, unless it's perfect, I'm not going to move forward. You know, time is just moving on and you're not getting anything done. So I definitely have that on a post-it because I sometimes, even at this, you know, at this level in my business, like I just feel like I still struggle with that sometimes where I'm just like, Jamie, just do it. (laughs) Just Mm. go, just do it. And nothing's going to happen. It's fine. Even if it's not perfect, at least it gets done and you can move on to the next thing, you know? Another way to say that, get your crap done. <laughs> Just do yeah. it. Like take a- take action. The action is actually a huge word for me. I repeat it to myself so many times a day because I have, I fall into that way of thinking just like what you were saying, Jamie. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm ready for whatever. And I just yeah. remind myself like probably a hundred times a day, action, action, action. And it pays off. Like even if it's not great or excellent or amazing, at least I'm taking action and doing the things that I know I need to do. 
So I love yeah. that. Yeah. It's almost like taking messy action. It's Ooh, taking messy yes. action is better than just waiting for the perfect moment or waiting for the perfect anything. It's just, it's never going to happen. There's never going to be a perfect time. Just do it. It's yeah. okay. Like we're all human. It's fine. It, it doesn't have to be perfect. We all take that messy action. So we have grace for each other when we see others taking messy action, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. We'll put together a show notes page for you, Jamie. If anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash sassy spoon. Tell everyone where they can find you, Jamie, blog, anywhere else you want to mention. So you can find me on a sassyspoon.com. That's my food blog. You can also find me at foodbloggerboss.co. That's where I host all my blogging courses from beginner to intermediate, as well as share free resources to help you start, grow, and manage your food blog. Amazing. Everyone go check Jamie out and all of her resources. Thanks again, Jamie, for being here. And thank you so much for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.